What night is greater than this night? Of course, it's a sober night, isn't it? But we call it Good Friday because it was on this day so many years ago that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for us to die in our place for our sins. You know, I heard just before that we, I came in, this is a unique day because Good Friday will not fall on this particular date again until the year 2157. And so not for 141 years will it fall on this date. And so it's a special day. It won't happen in a long time, certainly in our lifetime. But every day that we gather on Good Friday, that particular time of the year, is a special, special time. So in just a moment, we're going to look to the Word and we're also going to partake a communion. It's an opportunity for you to reflect and to remember out of Corinthians chapter 11 what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to take it and I'd like to read from Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 15 and I'd like to just read that crucifixion account there and then in just a moment we'll look to the word of God out of Isaiah 53 But I thought just in our reading, we would look to Mark chapter 15, and I'd like to begin reading at verse 16, if you can follow along in your Bible. Mark 15, verse 16. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in purple cloak and twisting Together a crown of thorns they put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put on his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. And when they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself and come down from the cross. And so also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. 
And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Let's pray this morning as we, or tonight as we continue in worship around the Lord's table. Let's pray. Father, we come on this night to give praise and honor and glory to Your Son. For Father, as we have been looking at in Corinthians, the power is in the cross. And Father, we come this night giving glory to You, giving glory to Your one and only begotten Son who was lifted up on the cross to be our sacrifice for our sins. And so, Father, we worship You. We give praise to Jesus Christ, the One who dwelt in unapproachable glory, the One who preexisted, Father, in eternal glory, the One who was before time began, and the One who was who created the world with just His spoken word and entered into this world and came into this place of sin and darkness, Father, to die on our behalf. Lord, it is the wonder of wonders that we know You. It is such a privilege to be here tonight, to remember and to reflect and to count the sins, Father, that You have forgiven and taken from us and transferred from us and have buried them the Old Testament says, into the deepest part of the sea, that you have wiped our sin away like a thick cloud. You choose to remember our sin no more. That, Father, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have our victory, Father. We know, Father, that you have taken all of our sin. So, Lord, as we draw nigh now even to worship this night before you as the elements will be passed, I pray that in a very special way for each person here this night in the little theater, that you would remind us personally of the work of Jesus Christ. That, Father, though we gather corporately and though we're here as a corporate body in this local place, Lord, would you be pleased, Father, through the elements as we remember Christ to touch each heart individually, Lord, that they might see something of Christ, something of His beauty, something of that fountain that was filled with blood. Father, that we might go away worshiping You. So Lord, this night as we come in in the midst of a, I'm sure a full week, maybe a week full of family and different events for different people, Lord, for this brief moment in time, would You cause our heart to look to the risen Savior, Would You cause our heart to look to the One who died in our place? Would You cause us to give praise to the One who was and is the Lamb of God? That, Father, as we stand in glory, at least in Revelation, we will behold Christ with nails, I'm assuming, still in His hands, Father, as He was even shown that way after His resurrection. So, Lord, we're grateful for Christ. Cause us this day, Father, to give all of our heart in worship to Him. And we're going to give you praise now in Christ's name. Amen. Please stay with us.
foundation, solid rock. Let's sing my hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Sing his oath. His oath is covered at his blood. Support me in the the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, other ground is sinking sand. He shall come, he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then Righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Other ground is sinking sand. Sing that on Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Stay. He washed 
sacrifice for us the debt that we could not pay God I pray that as we come to your word and we contemplate the cross that you'd be honored in our hearts and as we come before your table after the word God I pray that we would uh, honor Christ uh, because of what he has done we thank you that you are a loving father and a sacrificial father to give up your one and special son and it's in his name that we pray amen you may be seated Well, it's always a privilege to gather around the Lord's table to remember those words of Paul in 1 Corinthians, quoting Christ. When you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we'll have the opportunity to partake of that in just a moment. But for just a brief time tonight, I wanted to take you to Isaiah 53. If you brought your Bible, would you look over there to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. It is a wonderful, wonderful passage there prophetically given by Isaiah to us uh, 700 years before the person of Christ prophetically detailing for us what he would do. But as you're turning to Isaiah 53, let me read that chapter for you, verses 1 through 12, and we'll just take a a look at maybe just one key truth in there as we remember the death of Christ tonight. But in Isaiah 53, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a, 
root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that, is, that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut out. Or cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, for he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53. It is a, a wonderful portrait, really a, a prophetic portrait of the suffering servant, our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there is just no way that human imagination could ever account for the intricate details of this prophecy. Only a sovereign God who is over control of every element could foresee that the person of Christ would fulfill all those details 700 years later. In Isaiah here, Christ is the suffering servant. Sometimes the nation of Israel is the servant. But clearly in Isaiah 53, we have a messianic prophecy fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, Isaiah 53, 12 makes the person of Christ the object of Isaiah's servant. It says there in 12 that he poured out his soul to death. He bore the sin of many. He makes intercession for the transgressors. This does not fit a description for Israel as a nation or for any other person for that matter. The representation of Jesus is the one Isaiah identifies is absolutely unmistakable. You remember in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, when Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza, and he inquired about this very passage right here, Isaiah 53, by asking, he asked, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? 
Then Philip, it says there in Acts 8, opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. So Isaiah 53 is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8 says that it's about Christ. And what I want to do tonight on this Good Friday is just to focus on one truth as we remember the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. Look at verse 10. It's in the middle of verse 10. It says there that he has put him to grief. Verse 10 says, when his soul makes an offering for guilt. When his soul makes an offering for guilt. Here is the wonderful aspect of our Lord's death. Namely, that sinless, spotless Lamb of God was delivered up for your sins. I mean, the great truth of Good Friday is that Christ is our sacrifice. I could say it this way, that Christ is your sacrifice. He is your substitute. He suffered, the scripture is extremely clear, the punishment that was due you, that was due for us. He suffered for us. But exactly what was involved in the Old Testament idea of sacrifice? What's involved in that? I mean, the sacrifices that were offered in the Old Testament were to be understood in terms of our sin and in terms of our, our guilt. I mean, there's no question that sin brings condemnation. When you look at the meta-narrative of the Bible, you look at creation, then you look at the fall, then you look at redemption, Jesus Christ, and then you look at consummation there at the end times. But clearly, after the creation, in Genesis chapter 3, the fall occurred. And when the fall occurred, sin took place, obviously, and sin brings condemnation. And the condemnation that comes out of the fall comes because of this reason that God is holy. Because it comes out of the holiness of God that brings the condemnation. And conversely, it makes sin such a great thing. God's nature, beloved, as we know from the word of God, according to Jeremiah 44.4, is that he hates sin. He hates sin with a passion. And because he hates sin, he must punish sin. And the penalty of such sin, as we know in the Scripture, is death. In fact, the writers of Scripture say that the soul that sins must die. And because of the presence of sin that came out of the fall, a sacrificial system was developed. And God ordained provision in that system whereby sin might be covered and whereby the condemnation and His divine wrath and even His curse on sin would be removed. And so He set up that provision, did He not? And in the Old Testament, when the worshiper brought the offering into the temple, he brought that offering to the altar... And you remember that an animal was substituted 
uh, in his place, he would bring, let's just say it was a sacrificial lamb. And he would come into that temple holding and carrying that lamb for that particular individual, maybe for his family, certainly at the Day of the Atonement on behalf of the nation. But the one offering that sacrifice would come into the altar and he would lay his hands over the head of that lamb. And then as his hands were over the head of that lamb, that lamb would be slaughtered as his sins would be transferred over to that lamb. In fact, it says this in Leviticus 1.4. It just says it this clearly. That he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. So you can picture that person in the Old Testament coming into the temple, carrying that lamb, that lamb being brought to the priest, the hand going over that lamb, the throat being cut, the blood coming out, the priest would apply the blood and the laying on of the hands of the head of the sacrificial lamb symbolically transferred, if you will, to the sacrifice, the sin and the guilt, the one sacrificing had occurred. I think we can picture that scene. The sin was imputed to the sacrifice and the sacrifice bore and took the death penalty as a result of the sin. And the penalty for sin was death. And so God set this system up, did he not? Sin must be accounted for. Sin must be atoned for. We have sinned. And that sin brings guilt and that sin brings separation. So he provided this provision through the offering. In fact, in Leviticus 17.11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And so there it was, a life was taken to make atonement and so that animal would be substituted if you will to blot out your offense to blot out what was standing against you in a right relationship with God so that in the death of that sacrificial animal it takes the place of the one offering it one life is given for another. And so as we think about Good Friday, it is in the death of Christ that he bore the consequences of your sins. He bore the consequences of your guilt. That he becomes our substitute. He becomes our sacrifice. He died in your place. And so he's our substitute. He took your sins. He took your place. He took your judgment. Even though he never sinned. Our sins, or I could say your sins, 
if you were to personalize it tonight, your sins, your guilt were transferred on Him on the cross. When He suffered and when He died, He did so in your place, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, just put it this way, so clearly in Hebrews 9.11, it says there, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered once and for all into the holy place, not by the means of the blood of goats or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And so he went in as that great high priest and died in your place. Let let me put it this way, GCV. In the death of Christ, through faith, on the cross, He expunged your guilt. He purged away your sin. That you might be, according to the book of Ephesians, brought near to God. Look at it this way, very individually, maybe tonight. He blotted out your sin if you're in Christ. That moment when you came to faith in Him, He erased your sin. He, the the thought is, destroyed your sin. You could even say He obliterated your sin. He wiped out your sin. Just as that person would take the animal and put his hand over the head of that, ham, of that animal, symbolically transferring the sin and the guilt of the offer to that sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ now has atoned for your sin. Look down in the scripture in Isaiah 53, verse 4. It is so personal. So personal. Surely... 53.4, He has borne our griefs. In verse 4, it says that He carried our sorrows. It says there in, 50, in verse 5 that He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's what He did for you. And so it's Good Friday, is it not? It's a day that we celebrate what He has done for us. Rather than that lamb, if you will, being killed and the blood being applied, Jesus Christ went on the cross for you. Look down at that familiar verse in verse 6. That all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He put all of the sins of those who are redeemed on the cross and on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look down in verse 8. 
where it says there that he was stricken at the end of eight for the transgression of my people. He was stricken for you. Look at verse 11 there at the end of verse 11. That he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, at the very end of verse 12, it says, Yet he bore the sin of many. Beloved, it's just impossible to get away from it tonight. That night on the cross, he had you in mind. That particular night on the cross, because you were known before the foundation of the world, He took your sins. He took your sorrows. He took your griefs. He took your iniquity. And every sin that was upon you, God Almighty laid it upon Him. And we know from the book of Romans in 5.8 that God shows His own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for what? Us. He died for us. In this is love, the Apostle John says in 4.10, not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the satisfaction for our sins. You say, what do you mean the satisfaction? Well, back to that meta-narrative of the Scripture. Creation, fall, when the fall came, when sin came, when sin came, Sin brought death. Sin brings wrath. And God's wrath must be satisfied. And so the provision was set up in the animal, but in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His death, it has satisfied God for the need of our sin to be taken away. And so it's Good Friday. Christ was delivered up for your sins. He was your substitute. He paid the price, death, for your sins. Of course, you remember when John the Apostle, as we've seen in our study of John, set his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the what? The sins of the world. And of course, that Lamb, even though John set his eyes and told his apostles, his own disciples, excuse me, to follow him, that lamb would be sacrificed at the end of the Gospel of John. I love how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made him to be, what? Sin who knew no sin. It's not that he became a sinner, but that he incurred your guilt and your sin upon himself. So it says there that for, it says for he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Beloved, he took your sin. In fact, the best part I like of that statement, it's just hit me anew in the ESV, when it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Paul, when he was writing in his pastoral epistles, said in 1 Timothy 2.6, speaking of Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all. 
He gave himself for you. He gave his life for you. Peter writing in his epistle said in Peter 2.24, 1 Peter 2.24, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. What a great statement. He did that for you. He did that for our sake. Paul couldn't be clear in Galatians 3.13 that he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed you. Your sin, my sin, separates us from a holy God and he redeemed you from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a what? A tree. He died in your place. So our sins were laid upon Christ so that he might take away our sin, that he might take away our guilt. That is to say, he bore sin's penalty. He suffered in our place and on our behalf. He gave his life for us. He died on the cross. And you know and I know that the suffering was unimaginable to die on a cross. And it's not just that Jesus died and was the only one. Certainly he was the supreme one. But the Romans crucified many people because it was the worst form of torture that could be afflicted on someone. As someone would gasp for air and push and pull up and down on that cross and lose breath and try to respond against the scraping of that wood across the back that had been flogged and filleted, if you will, and peeled, peeled back. Think of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. He died for you, for your sins. He was, as it says in Isaiah 53, a lamb that was led to what? To slaughter, to slaughter. Paul said in Romans 8.32, he, speaking of God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Within the wonder of the Trinity, God the Father didn't even spare his only begotten son, but gave him up for us all. And if you're in Christ, that's you. It says in Matthew 20, 28, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He died for you. And more certainly than just the physical suffering was the weightiness of bearing your sin before a holy God. Do you remember the night, yes, before the crucifixion? I have walked where they believe that Garden of Gethsemane was. We were there a year and a half ago, planning to go again in 2018, Lord willing. When he prayed, oh my father, if it is possible to let this, what, cup pass from me. What was he asking there? What was the cup? 
Well, certainly the cup is not merely his death. He wasn't just asking that the death would pass from him. It was not just the physical pain of the cross. It was not just the scourging or the humiliation. It was not just the horrible thirst or the torture of having nails driven through his body or even the disgrace of being spit upon and beaten for you and mocked for you. In fact, I don't think it was any of those things all combined that he was saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What Christ dreaded most about the cross was the cup from which he asked to be delivered, if possible, was the outpouring of wrath he would have to endure from his Father while your sins were being transferred over to him. That in that moment, on that Good Friday, on that cross, Christ would bear the full brunt of the divine fury against sin that we deserved. When Christ prayed that if possible, that the cup might pass from him, he spoke of drinking of the cup of divine judgment. And that very next day, he would bear the sins of many and the fullness of God's wrath that you deserve, that I deserved, would fall on him. And of course, it wasn't possible. And so he died in our place. And our substitute bears the penalty of our sin and our guilt so that you may be pardoned. In fact, look, if you will, at verse 11. It says there, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. Our Lord's sacrifice for our sins satisfied the holiness of God against sin. Beloved, in bearing our sins, Jesus becomes our substitute for the death and wrath that we so justly deserve. You say, well, how would he, how would he do that? How did he satisfy it? Look again at verse 11, where it says at the end there, he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12 again at the end, yet he bore the sins of many. And just to pull it all together, our Lord does so by removing our sins and by placing them on himself. Hebrews 9.26 says that he's been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In other words, he came for that purpose. He has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of of himself so may it be as we come to the lord's table tonight that our eyes will be opened to behold the blessed redeemer who was indeed the suffering servant on behalf of your sins do you remember that great hymn by wesley i think it just says it all amazing love how can it be that thou my god what shouldst die for me that is the truth of Good Friday. Would you bow your head? The worship team's going to come back. And as you think about your sin and you think about your wonderful Savior, it is Good Friday. 
It's a sobering moment, but it is Good Friday. But as you think about what Christ has done in your place, would you just return thanks to Him now? Would you praise Him for what He's done on your behalf? You might be a guest tonight, maybe, and you're wondering, who did he die for? Well, he, he died for the sins of those who placed their trust in him. And if you've never opened your heart to Christ, then do so now. In just a moment, we're going to pass the, the elements. We're going to pass the bread. The bread, of course, from 1 Corinthians, represents the, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that died in our place. The cup that we'll pass in a moment represents the the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So like in the Old Testament, when that sacrificial lamb would be slain to offer the forgiveness of sins for the one who had offended God, now in the New Testament, Christ is that lamb and went into the holy place, never to offer himself again. The priest And those who came had to come time and time again, but now we can come boldly through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, His sacrifice is too great for you to harbor any sin. His sacrifice is too great for you to harbor a grudge against another, to not forgive another when He's forgiven you all of your sins. So just as we pass these elements and we Seeing in just a moment of the power of the cross, you make sure you allow the Lord just to work on your hearts, give Him thanks, give Him praise. Don't forget in Corinthians, the very reason that we're here tonight, when He said after He took the body and broke it, He said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me that this very night is in remembrance of Christ. You should fill your heart with joy. You should take away your anxiety. Take away your doubts that what he's done, he has done completely for you. Just take a moment now to pray and thank God for his great work on your behalf. Thank Him for dying in your place. Lord, we we praise You. We give You thanks. Father, that You have made a place for us. That You have made a path possible for us to a relationship with You. And it's not through our effort. It's not through works. It's not through prayer. It's not through righteous deeds. It is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so, Lord, we're thankful for the power of the cross.
We're thankful for what you've done. Father, at this Good Friday, would you draw us now into remembrance as we remember your body that went to that cross to suffer and die in our place that you might bring us near to yourself. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. talking about this and he said it this way in 1123 he said for I received 
from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So Paul received that from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together tonight. Spend just a moment thanking him for his death on your behalf. Thank God that his love was set upon you. Thank you. Thank him that he brought you to saving faith. Father, we confess and we love you and we do as Paul said when he said do this in remembrance of me and he had given thanks and Father, as often as we do it, we proclaim your death until you come and here we are, a corporate group gathered to remember your death for us, for our sake, for our sin, for our sorrow, for our griefs for our iniquities that you've laid upon him all of our sin. And Father, we're so grateful for that. And Lord, now as we pass the cup, we recognize that the life was in the blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So in the shedding of the Son's blood, it offered for us our eternal redemption. We pass it now amongst us, Father, remembering his death giving praise and saying thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus, thank you, Father. 
Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Because once you random be, I'm seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Say, lover of my soul. also and said this is the new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me let's do that together would you just thank him now where you are seated that the father's wrath was completely satisfied in the death of Jesus Christ And if you know him, you should rejoice. Thank him for that. Father, we say that we love you. Your Lord over all. You are satisfied in the death of your son. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For you did not send your Son into the world to judge the world, but, Father, that you would save the world through him. And so, Father, we recognize he's our Savior. Thank you for this wonderful but sobering night. Thank you that the cross was not all of the story, that Sunday was coming and Easter came and You rose from the dead and your son lives this day. And so, Lord, we rejoice at the wonderful truth of the death of Christ, our Savior, our Lord, to whom we want to show all of our allegiance to. And we give thanks in Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Listen, there you have it. Creation, fall, redemption on the cross, 
and at the end is consummation. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ leading into the millennial and the eternal state. There's the Bible right there. And when you understand that, you can see all of the storyline of the Bible come through because Christ died in our place. Would you stand with me and we're going to go and have a final song. Don't forget that the directions for Easter Sunday, we have a wonderful breakfast planned at 8.30 at Dave and Gail Jackson's house. It's all right there and then we'll be right back here uh, for our worship service in the Little Theater at 10.30. The address is on that little bulletin that you received tonight as well as on our website. Let's sing and go with the Lord now that He is Lord. We have this song that we've introduced uh, in a, a, a few weeks ago, and we're getting ready to sing it uh, this Sunday. And so we're going to try it again tonight. It's called He is Lord. Uh, hopefully it's an encouragement to you. Jump in as soon as you've got it. It goes like this. Blessed Lamb. Oh, blessed Lamb, one slain will reign forevermore. His hands once bound, now saved, our God will never fail. He is Lord. my soul He is the Lord and He lives yes He lives I'm alive cause Jesus lives at the cross
and he lives yes he lives i'm alive cause jesus lives look forward to singing that with you on sunday you all are dismissed